Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. This week is a um, unique sermon. Uh, It's unique because there are lots of things going on in the world right now. Uh, And over the last few months, I've had several conversations with people. um, And so has Christine. I've had several conversations about uh, the vaccine. And I can let you know now I'm not preaching about the vaccine because that's not how we roll. But there is one element to this conversation about this COVID vaccine that's important. Regardless of how we feel about whether or not we're gonna get it, whether we're not gonna get it, if we should get it, if we shouldn't get it, if you already got antibodies, if you don't, none of that really matters in terms of this conversation. Because there are several people, several believers on social media and a number of folks, even in a part of our congregation, part of our family, who have kind of began to believe or are at least speculating as to whether or not it's the mark of the beast. And upon initially hearing that, some people scoff at that idea and some of people are like, yes, it is. I know it is. Pause. Regardless of how we feel about that, the reason why it's important for us as a family to talk about that is because that puts people in position to, to, to have conflict between caring for their bodies and caring for their souls, right? If you actually believe that this is the mark of the beast, well then that puts you in this space where you're conflicted about whether or not you should participate with something that might be good for your body or good for the bodies around you because of concern for your soul and I think it's important that we talk about that. I've been reading this book called The Pastor as Public Theologian. It's a nerdy pastoral book, <laughs> but it's a really good book. And, and it encourage, it's more encouraging than it is challenging, but it also challenges pastors to see themselves as individuals who don't just do pastoral counseling, who are not just managers of the, the, the church staff, who are not just there to help connect people to resources, but are uniquely designed by God to help shape the theology of the community. And so the reason why we're talking about this today is because it's a part of my job as our family for us to all be on, have the same kind of vocabulary about what this is. We likely won't talk about anything like this again next year. <laughs> Lord willing. Look, <laughs> my great grandmother, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, right? <laughs> but today we're talking about it. So we're going to be in Revelation. Some of you will remember this because last year we did a whole sermon series on Revelation. Uh, And there's some elements of that sermon series that are going to get brought into today's sermon, but we'll be in Revelation chapter 13 and Revelation chapter 7. If you have the Bible app, just as a reminder, you can hop on to the Bible app, uh, the YouVersion Bible app, and go to the event. Um, 
the little event section. Just type in Unison Christian Church or use your location thing. And you can get Bible, uh, excuse me, you can get sermon notes there. I'm going to pray and then we'll jump in. Father, you are God. You are good. You continue. You continue to shower us with your grace and your mercy. Even being here this morning is a part of your mercy for us. Thank you. Thank you. We glorify and honor you. And so, Lord, we also give you this time. May our hearts be renewed in you and our, our minds transformed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. What do credit cards, social security numbers, chips, immunizations, and tattoos have in common? At some point, they have all been accused of being the mark of the beast. No kidding. Barcodes are like right now, like the trend, it's the most consistent trending thing. But most people don't realize this, but because we use debit and credit cards so regularly, but when they first came out and they were first becoming popular among conservative Christians, credit cards were considered the mark of the beast. And when they started like microchipping animals, they just knew they were gonna put those in humans. <laughs> And there's whole kinds of videos that you can watch and share on social media about people opening doors with their hands, right? <laughs> Tattoos have been considered the mark of the beast. <laughs> so is that weird? <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> and I want us to not ignore any of the claims, but I want, because this is not about trying to figure out what it is. Let's understand what the word says about the mark of the beast, and then we apply that to our life. And that's, so that's where we're going here. So you're not going to hear me say, it's this or it's that or look for that. If that's what you're hoping for, trust me, you won't get that because it doesn't exist. <laughs> that's not what this is. Revelation chapter 13. We're starting in the middle of it in verse 11. But just as a little bit of a catch up to where we are at a verse 11, John, the revelator, is the author of this uh, book of the Bible, Re Revelation. He has been taken up into heaven, whether, whether literally or in a dream, doesn't matter. He's being shown heaven and the future by God. And in the first part of 13, he is shown these beasts. And these beasts have authority and power to move in the earth. Some of them look like leopards, they look like dragons. Ultimately, they're representative of influence that is uh, human influence over the world that is also influenced by the spirit of Satan, right? So like that's where we are when we get into Revelation chapter 13. John says this, then I saw another beast come out of the earth. There was one beast that came out before he saw another one. He had two horns like those of a lamb, symbolically to represent or look like something that's like a savior, like a messiah, like a sacrifice, like the lamb. But he spoke with the voice of a dragon, symbolic of speaking with the voice of Satan. He exercised all the authority of the first beast. For that authority, just go back. And he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. 
And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. On my notes, I have that last part underlined. And I want you to, if you don't underline it in your Bible, at least underline it, underscore it in your mind. With all of the things that he was able to do, he deceived the people of the world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast. The reason I want you to underline that is because there's some things that have happened now. There's things that are happening after he deceived them with all of his signs and wonders and miracles. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that everyone refusing Anyone refusing to worship it must die. He required everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Another part that I have highlighted is this next sentence. Wisdom is needed here. We're pausing there for a second. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, his number is 666. One of the conversations that I've had in the past about this number 666 or mark of the beast was that even the energy drink monster <laughs> <laughs> has gotten caught up in B because this the symbol of the M looks like numbers that are Hebrew that could be six. Listen, fam, John did not write to us so that we could sit here pondering <laughs> and pontificating about what these numbers would be. That's not the point. That's not the point. I stopped us at what is needed here Because it's more than just saying you need to understand the algebraic equation to figure this out. We have to be people who are discerning and are living within the wisdom of the spirit to understand what's even being said here. And there's a part of it that our wisdom needs to let us know it's mysterious and I'm not even designed to be looking for what this is. The next part is something that we oftentimes just, we, we stop at the 666, get shook, and then we stop reading Revelation. Or because it's at the end of a chapter, we don't go on to the next verses. But let's remind ourselves, John wasn't writing a textbook. He was writing a letter. The letter didn't have chapters. He completes a thought in the beginning of 14 that we oftentimes miss. John chapter, excuse me, Revelation 14, one says, then I saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion. With him were 144,000, sorry, who has his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpsists playing together. I'm pausing. Because 
that may or may not sound familiar to some of us, but the picture that John sees there right in 14, one, is actually a mirror of something that happened earlier in Revelation. That actually happened in Revelation chapter seven. Chapter seven, verse one says this, then I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds so they did not blow on the earth or sea or even any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. Pause for a second. You remember, you remember back in 13 where we talked about seeing all these beasts? John saw angels first doing things in the earth. And I just want to make sure that I say that out loud because we're going back in seven, right? So, and he shouted to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and sea. Wait, don't harm the land or sea or trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God, 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel, from Judah, 12,000, from Reuben, 12,000, from Gad, 12,000, from Asher, 12,000, from Nephtali, 12,000, from Manasseh, 12,000, from Simeon, 12,000, from Levi, 12,000, from Issachar, 12,000, from Zebulun, 12,000, from Joseph, 12,000, from Benjamin, 12,000. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. I know I just read a whole lot. And there's a whole lot to unpack because Revelation is full of symbolism. But I really wanted to just point you to the fact that what John saw with this beast and with this mark and with this deception led also to a next scene, which was pointing back to what John had already seen. Oftentimes we see the mark, we see this mark of the beast and we start trying to get, see what it is and we become anxious about what, what it is and what it's not, but we forget that there was also a seal that was talked about in chapter seven. This seal was for all of these tribes and this vast crowd of people, which is all of y'all, <laughs> that was hanging out behind, even to the point that when we actually see John, see the mark of the beast revealed for the first time, he reminds us that there's already a group of people that's been sealed. And this group of people that have been sealed, whether they're in the tribes or in the mass crowd, they have something that the people who have been deceived do not. So those of us who are believers who are so shook and so anxious about what this is, we have to remind ourselves that in Revelation there are two marks. It's not just one, not one for us to just be anxious about and avoiding our whole lives. There are two. The first one is in chapter seven. It's a seal on all of the tribes and those and that seal is also represent, representative of God's wisdom. And those who are gathered behind them. All of them people that you can't count from every tribe, language, tongue, and people group in the planet. We are also inheritors of that seal too. 
So something for us to kind of keep in our head, whether literal or figurative, the mark of the beast is symbolic, meaning wisdom on the forehead and strength in the right hand. And it's the number of a man, meaning wisdom of a man and strength of a man. And the reason why John sees that and he puts those contrasts there is to remind us that individuals who have been deceived by this beast are operating with man's wisdom and man's strength. But there are a whole bunch of people who have been sealed on their forehead with godly wisdom. Right? It's a contrast. It's not about what we should be avoiding. It's not about us being afraid of something. God, John is pointing to a contrast there. I'll continue in, in chapter 14, which is a little, it's, it's a little ways, but I, I, it's important that we get all of it. The great choir, the one that was behind them, big group, all of us. That's going to be a good choir. I'm in the tender section. All right, here we go. The great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the living beings and the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. I'm pausing there just for a second. The choir sang the song, but the only ones that can learn it were the ones who were from these tribes of Israel that had been sealed. Yo, the big choir, y'all, the ones that are from every tribe and nation and tongue, y'all already know the song, <laughs> right? Like, just think about what that is. The only ones that can learn it were people who didn't already know it. There's a part of something that we bring until, bring into the kingdom. And a part of that is our allegiance to Christ as we also too, as we learn and gain from inheritance of that seal from the group that's in front of us, we also bring this song to the group to teach them too. They have kept themselves as pure as virgins following the lamb wherever he goes. They have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the lamb. They have told no lies. They were without blame. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people, fear God, quote, then he shouted, give glory to him for the time has come when he will sit as judge, worship him as, excuse me, worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky shouting, Babylon is fallen, the great city is fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Then a third angel followed them shouting, anyone who worships the beast and statue or accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. That's the part where many of us are avoiding but there are, that's just one line in the middle of such great beauty in all of what's happening. I feel like as humans, we're drawn toward drama. And that, drawn, that being drawn toward drama causes us to overlook all of the good that's actually happening in this portion of Scripture. 
and they will be tortured, excuse me, tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, and they will, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. Okay, it's a lot to read. Told you before, Revelation has a whole lot of symbolism. Make sure that we're not working too hard to try to understand every single word in here. John is, this, that sounds weird, doesn't it, right? Working too hard to not ever understand every word. Here's the truth. John is being shown something he doesn't even understand. <laughs> He's just relaying the message. And it's okay for us to know that. John's human. Led by the Spirit, but a human being. Being shown something he could never even completely understand. It's okay for us to know that too. A part of the wisdom of God is also being disciplined to know I'm not God. <laughs> I don't see everything, and that's okay. This is not a mark for us to fear, but it's a contrast of the seal of God mentioned to point humanity, to, to point to the fact that humanity is choosing sides. That's the whole point of the mark of the beast. It's not just for you to sit there and for you to ponder about what it's going to turn into. It's a contrast. God, before all, before all of the stuff pops off on earth, God was like, I want you to seal the people who are hanging with me. Put a mark on their forehead so we all know who's who. But the contrast inside of that is individuals who have put their faith in human wisdom and human strength position themselves opposite of God. It's a contrast, not for us to avoid. If you're already walking with Jesus, then you don't have to avoid the other mark. The, de the deception that, that John is seeing isn't tricked you into getting a shot. So you're worshiping the devil. The deception isn't tricked you into using a credit card because they said that you can't buy or sell without it. <laughs> the trick is to get you to trust in your own wisdom. The real mark of the beast is to get you to trust in your own understanding and the understanding of human beings, our own strength. And then we walk around with that as our identity. We got it. We don't need God. The real mark of the beast is saying that I no longer am in need of an all-powerful, all-knowing creator because human beings have got it figured out from here. So whether you get a barcode on your forehead or not isn't the point. I'm not going to pretend to know whether or not at the end it actually is a mark or it is a seal. or. But by the time you got to that seal, you already made your choice anyway. Hear me, by the time you get there, you have already made your choice anyway. We have no reason to be afraid if we are walking with the Lord. We are sealed. If we're seeking his wisdom, then we won't be walking in our own wisdom. We won't be walking in our own strength. The key moments in Revelation are landmarks on the road to Christ's return not things for us to avoid. 
I said it back in that sermon series on Revelation a few months back. I'll just say that again. When we think about Revelation, oftentimes we start thinking, okay, when we get up here, I don't, I don't want to do that, and I won't do this, and I won't do that. And it's really, really big rock that kind of looks like Mother Teresa. You're going to want to turn there, but keep going straight. You saw the rock and you thought you, and so oftentimes, if you've ever been on that, if you've ever, some of us haven't really been driving before GPS came out, but for those of us who had to get directions from your auntie, <laughs> who had just told you like, yo, it's a, you're going to be driving about half an hour, okay? That's so true. And you, you're on this one road and it's getting dark. And you feel like you really want to turn <laughs> because I knew she said, was that the big tree that she talked about? <laughs> and you find yourself avoiding, like you find yourself like avoiding, like, oh, I don't, not to make this turn here. Now I can't remember. Did they say that the mark of the beast was going to be on your right hand or your left hand? Listen, none of that actually even matters. It's just to let you know how close we are to Jesus returning. When you see the rock, you know you're about five minutes out. That's it. That's it. As believers, we're not, this isn't for us to figure out and for us to sit and debate about. Get off of Facebook debating about the mark of the beast. And get on Facebook and tell people about Jesus. Because that's the real way in which we avoid this mark. If you really want to avoid this mark, walk with Christ. That's the first reflection and action. If those of us who are afraid, it's okay to acknowledge, yo, I got some real anxiety about this Mark of the Beast thing because of all I've heard, because the videos that I watch and people keep sending me stuff in my inbox. And if you really want to avoid it, walk with Jesus. That may, that may seem too simple, but the, the fireproof and sheer fire Surefire solutions oftentimes are simple. <laughs> Don't make it too complicated. Don't stay up all night on YouTube trying to figure out who made it and what they did and if they actually walking with the Lord. If, if all the people who did Moderna were saved, that don't matter. <laughs> I know some of y'all have been looking, looking through their profiles to make sure they can speak in tongues because that's the only way you're going to take it. Wait. <laughs> Listen, that's not what we're, that's, that is not what we as believers are to do. Wisdom is needed, but don't let that confuse you into saying knowledge is needed to understand the mark of the beast. Knowledge and wisdom are different. The wisdom comes with seeking the Lord. It comes with fearing God, but it also comes with the discipline to know when you're doing too much. Step one, walk with Jesus. Just as a reminder, the deception will, will not be in having a mark one way or the other it will be in whom we put our trust there are two marks i want a mark on my forehead that points to god Amen. period whether it's literally or figuratively when people see me they need to know that my trust is in the wisdom of god yes. when people see me they need to know that the strength that i have comes from christ and last thing is receive a seal and you won't have to worry about a mark and what I, that's honestly just repeating the first one again, walk with Jesus. <laughs> I don't want us as believers to be afraid. God's not given us a spirit of fear at all, but of power and of love and a sound mind. It's okay for us to be cautious. That's a part of wisdom. It's okay for us to do research. That's a part of wisdom. 
But if all we come down to is I'm not going to participate with something in the earth because somebody told me that it could be the mark of the beast, that's not wisdom, that's fear. And there's nothing that we're supposed to be doing that, that, that points to fear as believers. Nothing. Nothing. Caution? Sure. Fear? Not at all. So I want you to hear me clearly when I'm saying I'm not telling you to get the vaccine. I'm not telling you that. That's not what this is about. If you want to have a conversation about it, I'm gladly have a conversation with you off mic. <laughs> but what I do want you to hear me say is, if the only thing stopping you from that is your belief that it's the mark of the beast, that's something that isn't, that doesn't exist. That's not how this works. That's not what this is. Chase, how can you say that it's not the mark of the beast? There's a couple of different things. The deception isn't about your physical health. The deception is about how, where you put your trust in wisdom and power. And your shoulder ain't your hand. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I just, <laughs> Ben is like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the last one was a joke, right? Look, I'm just being facetious. We can trust God in, in, in all of the things that we participate with here. And I remember the last thing I told um, my brother who lives in Los Angeles now, or outside of Los Angeles, I told him before he moved out there that if we are sincerely seeking the Lord and we make a misstep, he will be the one who guides us back to where we should be. Right? So, so oftentimes we're so afraid of making a misstep, but if we're sincerely seeking him and I turn to the left when I should have been straight, he will be the one who does that GPS rerouting. It's not going to be like, Chase, you're condemned to a life, life of, etern of eternal frustration because you were seeking me and made a mistake. No, if we're not seeking him and we go off, that's different than if we're sincerely seeking him. It's different. There's all kind of grace for that. So I want to pray, um, and I do sincerely mean it. If you do want to talk about it, um, I'm down for having conversations, even if you want to call um, and talk about it if you're not in person. Um, that's totally fine, too. Um, I can tell you now I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's not my job. My job, though, is to help you understand where the lines are between our theology and just what's going on in the world. So that's what we'll do. Um, and pray with you for godly wisdom about what you should do with the body he gave you. So, Father, we thank you. God, we honor you. We love you. The last year has caused us to make decisions that we would normally not make. This pandemic has caused us to make decisions that we would normally not make, even down to just motivating sermons that we normally wouldn't have. But that's okay because you're with us. You don't leave us or forsake us. And you say that we can seek your wisdom and you will give it. And so, Lord, James told us that we could ask you for wisdom. And so we ask you for wisdom for the bodies that you've given us. But we also ask you for wisdom for caring for the souls that you've given us as well. That we would not be tossed back and forth from every wind of doctrine or theory about something but that we would have discipline to seek you first, second, third, and every moment in between. God, we love you. We honor you. Bless our world, God. We need you. We need you.
and give your church strength and courage to speak in places where we have been silent. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.